0: People call it trash TV, a guilty pleasure. But what if I told you that reality TV is a time capsule of our culture, that the racism we see on the real world or the sexism we see on The Bachelor, it reflects the moment we're in, whether we like it or not. From Neon Hum Media, this is Spectacle, an unscripted history of reality TV. Hosted by me, Mariah Smith. Subscribe now.
1: Yes, that's right. Tough as nails. Uh, season two recaps are back here. I am Rob Sesternino here to talk about episode number two of Tough as Nails uh, season two. With back with our savage crew to talk about it all. Uh, first, let's welcome in a woman, Tough as Nails uh, super fan. Here is the great Jessica Lee. Jess, how are you?
2: I'm I'm great, Rob. I I feel like. I can produce four cups of terrible opinions per second, so I, I think I'm going to be on the right podcast today.
1: Yes, and also welcome in our own Mikey Slime Brows. Here is Mike Bloom.
0: Yeah, sorry. Uh, I got to that nickname way ahead of time back in high school. So happy to be here. I'm going to give my mood right now a big thumbs up. Oh, wait, is that awkward to say? Did I put? Did I put my Soon. Foot, did I get my foot in the door, in a manner of speaking? all right dirty hands more like broken hands
1: uh we had our first elimination from the uh individual competition but i I just want to confirm that is is tara staying in the game
0: i guess that's the big cliffhanger right is that i mean so here's the thing i'm sure we'll get into everything that happened in the end of this episode because this was definitely the most emotional end of an episode we've had yet in, in tough as nails history all 12 episodes i suppose but it, it sort of was built out, or at least the way Angel was vocalizing it, was that it could be a quit. But Phil throws in this aside that makes it feel like there's a good chance it might be a medevac. There's a good chance next episode Tara mm-hmm. might not be medically cleared to mm-hmm. come back and play the rest of the season.
1: Yeah, and if that's the case, how are they going to handle that where you know now we have lopsided teams for the first time, uh, will we see one team have to sit somebody out
2: Good question. Um, you know, Survivor kind of paved the way for this, but it's also it's possible that they can they have challenges that are designed around being mm-hmm. able to work around that. Yeah. Plus Or they could it, do what Amazing Race Australia did and just like bring in some random new people. Yeah, mm-hmm. the
0: intruder of Tough as Nails. Could you I mean, but the motto of the show though is if you're the underdog, you keep working hard until you are just ground to nubs. I can absolutely imagine how they just say, "Okay, dirty hands, you're down to five against Savage Crew six. You're going to be at a disadvantage the entire time. But that's the toughest nails motto, right? No matter how many people you have on your crew, you work yourselves to the bone and then some
1: tough as nubs. Yeah. All right. So uh, we'll we'll see that, of course, uh, every week we extend the invitation to uh, the host, executive producer of Tough as Nails, Phil Kogan. Uh, Maybe he'll pop in. Maybe uh, he'll listen to this podcast after the fact and and be able to answer our questions at a a future date. But uh, until then, we'll just get to uh, speculate on what's going on here. And yeah, I thought that this was the most emotional episode of uh, Tough as Nails yet. And I felt like that that was a very good omen for season two. I was not expecting the first showdown to ultimately come down to this.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I think it definitely shows an escalation from season one when maybe we would make remarks here and there about certain contestants who might not necessarily leap off the television screen mm-hmm. in terms of emotionality. I think the heart of these contestants is really shining throughout and throughout. I think what it would say are, are three very eclectic competitions as well. I would not expect season one, for example, to go to the seashore and do all of mm-hmm. these boat-based tasks and so i think it shows not only an acceleration in the production of season two the process of which phil talked us through last week but also i think an acceleration in the storytelling and the emotional investment of these contestants as well because when you have people you know crying and grunting their way through stuff Mm -hmm. in the second week really the first outright regular round of tough as nails you know it's it is going to be a long I think, very emotionally fruitful journey.
1: Yeah, and I thought that the dock was an interesting locale to take tough as nails. I didn't really think about it a lot, but I kind of felt like that, okay, we'll just see a lot of like the same types of locations we saw in season one. Jess, I thought that the uh, going down by the, the docks really felt very original for the show, and I'm actually interested to see where they go in season two. Well,
2: I'm not surprised to see it, to be honest, because we have made much of the... Idea That working on a fishing boat is much, much tougher than one might think. And, you know, we talked about it a lot with Callie last season and then work on boats at docks is, is something that they keep coming back to. And you have Tara this, this season. I think they were going to go there eventually. If they keep casting people that work on boats, they got to go to a boat sometime.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, we, we we know that Phil brought up, right, that we're, he's theming Seasons of Tough as Nails off of the wire. So, of course, season two has <laughs> to go to the docks. <laughs> season four, they're going to go into the schools. Season five, they're, of course, covering how to be a reporter. So I think it makes sense.
2: Yeah, well, one of the toughest professions is, of course, dealing drugs. <laughs>
1: yeah. We <laughs> did not let's not let's not go there okay
2: (laughs) i I do want to go somewhere else i want to go to mike's use of the word seashore Mm -hmm. as if tough as nails is taking place in a british children's (laughs) book in the 1950s i don't know the
0: the slime eels do seem like a creature out of like some sort of black and white cell shaded demented book of children's fairy tales. I know they're actually real life Mm -hmm. creatures, but it does sound like something you read to your child at night. Just wasn't that one of the
1: things that uh, Wesley had to get through in the princess bride of like the uh, sea of slime eels.
2: Yeah. The sea of slime eels, the rodents of unusual size, the fire (laughs) swamp. Yeah. It was all there.
1: Cliffs of despair. Mike, I was going to say that I actually happen to know a lot about what it's like to work on a boat because I have watched 11 episodes of pirate master. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yes, of course. You know, you know, there was a little bit of a mutiny, right? When Scott mm-hmm. got overthrown in his position of moving boxes <laughs> in favor of Mikey. Yeah. So there was, a, there was a lot of treasure to be plundered yeah. as well.
1: Hard work and swapping the decks and stuff like that. So that's all stuff that we're talking about on our Pirate Master uh, rewatch that we're doing this month on our JP Rewind. But I digress. So I guess let's talk about these uh, these tasks because uh, they, they were all interesting uh, in their own right. Uh, we were working on a uh, hundred lobster traps. Uh, I didn't know about the big West Coast, California lobster trade. Uh, Jess, I didn't even think about that.
2: Yeah, you think of lobster as being a New England thing. Um, but I think one of my favorite things that Phil is trying to make happen, and I sometimes it works really well and sometimes it doesn't, is at the beginning of the challenge, he holds something up and says, does everybody know what this is? Mm-hmm. And sometimes when it's an alternator, not everybody does. Sometimes only one person does. But then he holds up a lobster and everyone's like, uh, it's a lobster, right? Not it's just not a tri- any question.
1: lobster, a spiny a sp- lobster.
2: Spiny lobster, yes. Mm-hmm. I-, I-, I love, actually, the history of lobster, if we can go down this path Please. for a second. Okay, all right. You think of lobster as being like this very expensive, fancy mm-hmm. food for rich people. But initially, uh, it was there were so many of them and they were so gross looking that it was like cheap food that you could catch and eat uh, on your own. And it was like they feed it to prisoners. And then somebody got the idea, well, we can make an industry around this and we can sell this to people as a very fancy food. If you dip it in melt- melted butter, it tastes great. And now all of a sudden, you know, lobsters are pound for pound, like more expensive than steak.
0: Wow. So they went from from the blue collar food to the white collar food. Yeah, exactly. I mean,
1: could we be doing this with anything? Could we be finding something that uh, nobody likes and then just try to market it to rich people?
2: Well, Rob, I've been trying to, yeah, I've been trying to do this. um, I've been trying to market an amazing race podcast on a Survivor Network for many (laughs) years. So I feel like I have some experience with this. (laughs)
0: The real lobster of R.H.A.P. <laughs>
1: yeah. Um, Phil even was trying to, I feel like, shame the main lobsters. He said, these are better than the main lobsters. Spiny as lobster. A,
0: I did love Phil as sort of touch tank extraordinaire this episode. Where, like you said, Jesse usually likes to get hands on with holding up things. But this time, because they happen to be two live sea creatures, it felt like a very different type of Phil. It felt like Aquarium Phil, rather than the mm-hmm. the, the Phil Kogan we know and love.
2: Aquarium Phil. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I guess I don't have the full set of Phil Kogan action figures, Mike, but I'll I'll take your word for it.
1: <laughs> so Jess, uh this was an opportunity for a five hole for Tara where she like uh got to have basically like the aquatic task and ultimately her team did win. She won the battle, but ultimately lost the war in this episode.
2: She did, but I think maybe the first task was the closest to what she actually does mm-hmm. um, and i think she knew instinctively how to go about managing the task in a way that the other tribe did not mm-hmm. not tribes their teams mm-hmm. they're watching
3: the too teams. much
1: survivor <laughs> yeah the other yeah.
2: team did not and so dirty hands kind of had it on lock from day one mm-hmm. and from second one and then really never they made a few mistakes in there which i'm sure we're going to get to yes but they had a system in place, and once the system kind of took off, it was really like, I don't even think it was ever close.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, interesting. It seemed like the editing has made it seem like it was just down to seconds. Yeah,
2: that's, that's editing, Mike.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, could you talk it through? Because for me, like, I understood, okay, that uh, the d- angel was moving around, dirty hands. It seemed like that they had a better system, but I wasn't exactly sure what Merrill was doing wrong.
2: It looked to me like the winning strategy was to load up enough traps that you could get a full cartload and get that cartload over there so they could load them onto the boat. And it looked to me like they were taking, Savage Crew was taking it much more methodically. They were like, we're going to load up all the traps and then we're going to load them onto the boat. Mm-hmm. I think that was what was going on.
0: Well, I it think it's hard it, to tell. And I think, you know, as much as there was talk from Mikey Eyebrows about, you know, yeah, great job, Terra. Angel is the secret weapon. I honestly think the unsung hero of this, and he's no longer purple anymore. He's all wet and purple. Freight Train, come on through. I feel like Freight Train was was definitely under the radar MVP of this challenge, considering that we spoke about the five-hole aspect with Terra, but the whole stacking aspect is literally what this man does each and every day. So I can imagine that having two people that specialize in packing and specifically putting things on a boat working together it was going to be a shoe in victory for them no matter mm-hmm. what
2: right if you're very good at tetris i think <laughs> this is a this is your kind of challenge
0: yeah
1: let, let's talk about freight train going into the water here because i thought that it was a interesting moment to sort of like stop down like one it was like a great visual of slow motion freight train falling into the water. So you, you had that. And also good on Phil, who was right there of trying to pull Freight Train out of the well, out of the ocean. So uh, good job on Phil uh, being right there to be a lifeguard for the cast of Tough as Nails. Now, that being said, that I felt like that there wasn't really a lot of talk about, like, was this fair play that Mikey Eyebrows says, like, hey, move your stuff. He pushes. He was not trying to knock Freight Train into the water, uh, but he did. Are you allowed to touch the other team's stuff? And are you allowed to block the other team with your stuff? I thought that this got into some interesting like strategy and talk about like, what are the rules of tough as nails?
2: This is why we, this is like the one week where I feel like (laughs) Phil is going to have a lot to say about this. And I kind of, I kind of miss him because this is something that you can't really get into unless you were there. But it does seem to me like this is not just rules. This is like basic OSHA stuff. This is mm-hmm. stuff that mm-hmm. they all should know more about. Like you can't have you can't have your stuff blocking the egress and you can't like you can't like move things aside without checking to see if someone's on the other side of them. That just seems like basic
3: mm-hmm.
2: on the job training that I'm surprised either team was able to get around and that nobody thought of it is even more shocking.
1: Yeah, I, I'm just I'm, I'm curious. Is it a judgment call? Like, what if they felt mm-hmm. like that Mikey eyebrows was trying to knock over their cages or, or was trying to knock freight train into the water? Are they yeah. you know, is, is that grounds for, you know, being removed from the game? Is it a penalty?
0: I mean, maybe they pull a Ben Browning and it's like you're you have to sit out the rest of the challenge. Yeah, you're or out there
1: like it's more like the attack zone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, oh. exactly.
0: I, it's, it's, an, it's an interesting question. And I do wonder maybe that was an unfortunate downside, because usually in these challenges, each team has a designated area and there isn't really mm-hmm. a shared area between them. I'm thinking about last week or even during the, the the forest fire challenge in season one, where they each had equal swaths of land to clear that eventually converged on a central point. This is one of those rare times where they sort of had a shared space. And so I think this is maybe the first time that we've really seen that encroachment. But I do wonder if after this incident, either they took a new approach to that idea or they said, "Okay, new rule from now on, guys. You can't touch the stuff from the other team because now this type of stuff happens. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and I mean, yeah, this is also Mikey Eyebrows. I I don't know if anybody else, maybe others would give it a nice, nice little like scudge out of the way. But I think Mikey Eyebrows, who runs hot and cold as the water he likes to stick his face in is was just very aggro hulky shoving those cages aside which then send freight train over Mm -hmm. yeah yeah he he was really
2: in the moment he was not he has I, i think he might have a little bit less of a impulse control um yeah thing than
1: most people. A little bit of a hothead, Mikey eyebrows. Yeah, a little bit. I just thought that was an interesting discussion in terms of uh, what was going on there between the two teams. So, of course, uh, that we saw it was uh, Dirty Hands that was going to uh, persevere here uh, with the mantra, keep on (laughs) baiting."
0: Exactly. Mike, that's your motto, right? Um, (laughs) Depends on the weekend. Uh, (laughs) But yeah, I, I think that it it, well what it came down to actually was the baiting i think and a question as to why savage crew lost is because i think Merrill and selly were a little slow on the baiting they Mm -hmm. were they were really taking their time and really living in that baiting moment yeah uh as opposed to just really getting it done quickly and thinking (laughs) about the next thing okay i don't know
2: sometimes you just want to get that done as fast (laughs) as possible and move on to the next thing
1: yeah ideally (laughs) ideally um just anything else from the uh, the team challenge that you want to highlight?
2: Um, I wanted to give Tara all the props in the world on this for um really having a sense of the like physiological challenges mm-hmm. of trying to work when you're soaking wet, and mm. I think you would only know that if you worked on ships, mm-hmm. um, and reassigning freight train in the middle of things. So that he wouldn't have to wear himself out trying to drag his wet clothes all over the place, I thought that was really smart. Um, And I liked, uh, I liked Phil trying to call the plays in the challenge, and like everybody being totally over it in episode two. That's (laughs) also very fun. Like Mikey eyebrows is just like, nope, stop,
1: (laughs) (laughs) you're done. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mike Swifty from the jump here in this challenge felt like that uh, Savage Crew did not have a good plan here, and he was very vocal about it.
0: Yeah, I mean, Savage Crew is going to Savage Crew, right? Mm-hmm. Really fall apart, uh, start out strong, and then really fall apart when it comes to playing things out. I wouldn't say that they had it; didn't have a strategy. I think it was just more so the that Dirty Hands had a better strategy, much like how last episode, Savage Crew and Dirty Hands both had a strategy, but mm-hmm. Savage Crews was ultimately better. That being said, they were eventually able to catch up, I think, due to manpower. But I do think Meryl's initial designation when it came to roles kind of bit them in that you had two people baiting, but neither one was really experienced in baiting. They were rather chased when mm-hmm. it came to baiting before oh, this. Mike, Mike. <laughs> and and so, uh, you know, then you had three people trying to move boxes that essentially weren't there. You had Scott, for instance, bringing one down and then just standing there, yeah. essentially saying, what's going on? So, I feel like it, whenever you're in a challenge and you have to ask, what's going on? <laughs> it feels like it's it's spelling doom for Tough as Nails. Yeah. yeah.
2: Anytime, Anytime you don't know what's going on, that's a leadership flaw of some sort.
1: Yeah, I really do like Scott on the show. I think that mm-hmm. he's been uh, very funny so far as uh, the person that's uh, uh, one of the contestants. I feel like that there are not like a lot of like light moments uh, from from the cast. But I feel like that he's been a good source of comedy.
0: Yeah. And Scott, uh, what do you say? Seven sisters and three brothers. His mm-hmm. siblings could essentially do an entire season of Tough as Nails by themselves. <laughs> are they all the same sizes, Scott? That's a great question. Is this sort of like Marshall Erickson from How I Met Your Mother, where everyone is just a giant?
1: hmm <laughs> Maybe. You
0: have to wonder. Like, how do you house okay. that many giants? Hey, I didn't realize Scott was a dugger.
2: Mm. <laughs> um, one thing I like a lot um, is Angel bringing everything back to boxing, which, you know, that's close to my heart. Yes. And it is one of those things like just watching his body language and listening to the way he talks and the way he frames things. You kind of don't even have to tell me that he was a boxer. Mm-hmm. Mm. It just sort of you kind of you get it. It, it's something you get after you've been there and done that.
1: We are going to talk about the individual challenge and hear from Phil Kogan when we come back. But first, a word from our sponsors, our friends over at P-Touch. Imagine your home totally organized with a P-Touch home personal label maker. Practical and useful home organizational templates that are attractive, have durable labels, and they make it fun and easy to turn every room into a personalized clutter-free haven. Got my slime eels over here. Got my rope over here. Coordinate your kitchen with a variety of fonts and frames. You could label the perfect pantry. Add decorative labels to the laundry room, tidy up your seasonal storage, and use fun symbols and emoji to finally organize the kids, toys, books, and games. Even the tiniest family members will benefit from an organized space, and yes, the furriest family members, too. Make the most out of your time at home, have fun, and get organized with the P-Touch Home Personal Label Maker, only from Brother for details. Visit P-Touch Home by brother.com and also thanks to our friends over at geico do you own or rent your home sure you do and i bet it can be hard work but you know it's easy bundling your policies with geico geico makes it easy to bundle your homeowner's or renter's insurance along with your auto policy and it's a good thing too because you already have so much to do around your home visit geico.com get a quote and see how much you could save it's geico easy visit geico.com today that's geico.com and now let's get back to talking about those eels on tough as nails Let's talk about the individual challenge here in this episode, and uh, let's talk about the slime eels. Now, make no mistake, I'm no fan of the slime eels. I'm no fan of the hagfish, if you will, but I really like this. I feel like that we didn't get anything that was like this in season one, which was kind of like a gross challenge, and uh, I like this here.
0: It was the closest I think we've ever gotten to an Amazing Race challenge on Tough as Nails. Mm -hmm. This very Amazing Race, one of the typical challenges they do, especially as a detour option, is catch the fish, Uh, Mm -hmm. no matter how gross the fish may be. So I think it was a very unique challenge that you saw. Even someone like Tara, who's probably used to handling sea creatures on a daily basis to the point where she kissed one of the fish heads on the way in (laughs) to to the team challenge, this clearly gave her even a bit of pause because this is not only you know, mental toughness and transport skills. This is also animal husbandry.
1: <laughs> animal husbandry?
0: Yeah, you have to handle, like, you saw Zeus coaxing the slime <laughs> meals into the bag, right? You have to work with animals a bit, work with other living creatures. Yeah, I just
1: never heard that term before.
0: Animal husbandry?
1: No. You've never heard that term? Animal husbandry? No. that was That's new to me.
2: Yeah, that's a, I guess that's more of an agricultural thing, but mm. it's like, you know, it's the I mean, how would you define it, Mike? It's like
0: the. Yeah, it's basically like c- taking care of farm animals. Yeah,
2: taking care of animals.
0: Okay.
1: Yeah. yeah. I live a sheltered life. I'm watching the yeah. Survivor Season a week, telling you all the yeah, tribe history well, and, then, and then
0: I'll then I'll make the Survivor comparison. Uh, Rupert and Ryan o have both practiced animal husbandry
1: <laughs> in Survivor Pearl Island. Makes sense now. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. And, uh, was Balboa a slime eel?
0: Well, I think it was just, uh, I mean, I don't think there was anything coming out of him. Unless so well, it was, not... it wasn't
1: slime. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. Uh, four cups of slime a second. Could that be right, Jess?
2: I, those those slime eels don't even look like they occupy four cups of volume.
0: So how mm-hmm. is that even
2: possible? Like, Are these like physics-violating slime eels? Mm-hmm. And these,
0: I... these seem like miracles of nature in many ways. There, there are countless articles that I've read up, and, and Phil even tweeted this out as well during the episode about how hackfish slime might be honestly the new hotness in that like the specific proteins that it synthesizes yes. can be used in environmentally friendly fabric could be used for plastics. So honestly, uh, also the savi- bulletproof
1: vests I saw in Phil's tweet, which yeah, I said, exactly. you know, I think I'd take my chance with the bullet over the slime.
0: The saviors of our planets <laughs> might indeed be these little worms.
2: And I love it when there's an animal that I've never heard of. And then it turns out to be like this deeply fascinating rabbit hole of facts. They're like, slime eels are the 2021 honey badgers
0: yeah they don't give an enough
2: yeah they certainly don't um i love that they could like they can excrete the slime and use it to try to climb out of the bag
0: that's really that was really smart i'm glad we got these like j- this the jailbreak sequence right where we have the dodo music playing as because you would think it's just okay let's just carry a sack over my shoulder but when they're trying to escape as well I mean, I'm glad they were able to, hopefully none of them asphyxiated, you know, because there was just a lot of sea creatures flopping around the dock. I hope they were all able to get back into the tank in one piece. Well,
1: I think it's still a sad ending for the slime meals, no matter what, considering that they were about to be shipped somewhere to be a delicacy.
2: Do we know that's what they were being shipped to be?
1: I mean, Um, I don't think that they were going to somebody's uh, (laughs) aquarium.
2: No, but they could be, you know. Farmed for their slime, like maybe it's a cushy oh maybe. Life. maybe they get they get mm. to go in like a big tank and just excrete some slime in in exchange for room and board. That's mm. a pretty good life. Yeah,
0: it's a good trade. I would say. Can we can we talk about Angel for a second? Yes, Angel please. was was a big part of this episode. Listen, I I don't want to to yuck anyone's yum I guess whatever the opposite is when it comes to fears, but fear of worms, of worms specifically. Is an intriguing concept to me. Everybody's got
2: their something, Mike.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Worms? Mike, you're thinking
2: about, like, if you dig in a garden on the East Coast and you pull up a worm, it's like, it's like yay long, right? Mm -hmm. It's it's little, it's not going to hurt you. I don't know if you've ever been in close contact with a nightcrawler.
0: Yeah, I can't say that I have. I I know the X-Men well, but not, you know, of the Germanic variety.
2: Yeah, I'm sure you I'm sure everybody here has seen the film, but um, no, a, a nightcrawler is like a worm, but it's like a worm on steroids and it's like nine inches long. And when I was a kid, it, if it rained, which it didn't really rain a lot. But if you got one big rainstorm, the sidewalk would be full of like nine inch worms and it was gross and <laughs> I did not like it. I didn't have a phobia of it. I just, you know, I didn't want to get near him. I didn't want to touch them, but. I can see where a fear of worms might be it might be a thing.
1: Yes. Well, a fear of worms might might be a thing but uh, a man who uh, does not fear worms or or slime eels is the host of Tough as Nails Phil Kogan <laughs> Phil. Phil are you there? phil is getting situated yes
2: i i think i have a fi- i have a fear of being caught talking about worms mm-hmm. by phil Cogan. i think that's my new phobia that i didn't realize <laughs> was a thing mm-hmm. now you
0: have to face it today just like angel did yeah
2: yes confronting my anxieties yes
0: so think about think about it more like a fish jess and that should help
2: yeah well it's like <laughs> a worm and a fish had babies is this this hagfish
1: yeah Uh, boy, and, uh, slime eels in, like, a mesh bag, also. That was, like, a real real mean touch you couldn't have given them like a uh a a, a plastic bag something that was not going to leak as much slime
0: yeah ex- no you, rob you, we're trying to be kind to the environment <laughs> yeah no, you, you need that image of like the just the slime oozing out of each and every hole in that bag it was like one of those like laundry bags that you throw like mic packs into or, or little doodads to to separate from the rest of the wash and they all just had to use that to transport what was it uh a hun- not 100 250 pounds of slime eels.
1: hmm Yeah. That was a lot of slime eels, uh, overall.
2: Uh um, how much what's the eel to slime ratio on that?
0: So I mean if it was four cups of slime every second from two hundred and fifty pounds, I don't know how much a slime eel weighs. Was it two hundred fifty slime eels? Is it one slime eel per pound? were there's some big boys in there. Mm-hmm. Do they
2: weigh them with the slime?
0: That's a good question. Well, I don't know. Slime. Yeah. I think that could be varied that's a variable. Mm-hmm. Four cups of water weighs two pounds. Mm-hmm. I feel like slime is heavier than water. Yeah. Because I feel, like, I feel uh, like it sank, right? It didn't float.
1: That's the old saying, that slime is thicker than water.
0: Yeah, that's right. That's, that's Survivor season, right? Slime <laughs> yeah. versus water. My
2: favorite Survivor season.
1: <laughs> yeah. Also, uh, yeah, the slime got very slippery, and we saw uh, Mikey Slime brows, uh take a bad spill.
0: I mean, it looked intense on the level of uh maybe the the medic should get called in early earlier than tara for mikey eyebrows looks like i don't know he could have slipped a disc there
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah i do have to say there's a lot of questions i'm gonna have for phil when he when he materializes um about the medical supervision and the level of screening and care that is taken here because i feel like the tough as nails ethos is really to run on injuries until you fall apart mm-hmm. and it feels mm. like i i have to imagine there's a lot of oversight here
1: mm-hmm. yeah and i think uh, because- like that this was the episode where we probably saw the most uh like on screen uh, you know uh medical intervention uh but for not just for tara at the end of the episode but uh mikey mikey gets hurt uh even mm-hmm. getting a freight train out of the water
0: yeah yeah and and look at Phil being so hands-on as well. You spoke about it before, Rob, with, with him sort of acting as a lifeguard. It does seem like Phil, when Mikey Eyebrows fell over, was it, Phil was the one to help him up, right? So Phil is is ready to pitch in and help out these contestants when they are fallen and they can't get up. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Well, you know, it's a, it's a skeleton crew. He's, he's going to do whatever he needs to do. He's got his hands in every aspect of it, including in the water directly.
1: Mm-hmm. Speaking of in the water directly, how about Selly? When
0: uh, she realized
1: like that. okay, well, this is hurting my back to be fishing these uh, slime eels out of the water. I'm going to get in the tub with the
0: slime eels. I mean, listen, who said that Fear Factor was dead? It is alive and well. But I mean, this also comes from Selly's line of work, right? When you are a nurse and you see people at their worst, medically speaking, it is grody AF. Mm-hmm. So I can imagine that she's just like, this is just another day at work, quite literally. I mean, Phil called her out on it, right? Said, hey, you're doing so well at this, you could probably quit your job as a nurse and, and handle slime meals. And she gave a prompt no thank you to that offer. That's my
2: favorite part of the episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's like, very funny. Nope. Um,
0: yeah. I don't know
1: if there's a Tough as Nails dream team, but I can't imagine that any of the uh people that ran the challenge to try it out got into the tank like Selly did. I think that that might have been an emergent strategy mm. on her part.
0: Oh, look at yeah, breaking the game. Go Selly.
1: Yes. Phil, Always are you able to hear thing. us? I am.
3: I I don't know what was going on there, but um you know, I was told to be very late, yes. to the date. <laughs> and I believe <laughs> I I'm to you were told to, to leave early. Uh well that too. <laughs> uh, I, I'm, I'm arriving late and I'm leaving early. Yeah, it's, uh, it's all
0: about just a very prized middle of the day yes, is what, is what yeah. Bill's been advice about. And
3: did, did you notice, Rob, that I didn't answer your email? Because that's another that was that's another fine. part of the. Bill,
1: look, we understand yeah. you are very busy and you're working on uh, producing the show. So if you have time for us, we're uh, we're thrilled, and if not, we understand.
3: But next week is going to be uh, a little crazy, just because every on the schedule. Um, on the schedule everything starts to pile up like mm-hmm. with the coloring and the mixing and sound mixing anyway i'm here yes. and uh hello and you've you've had a chance to talk for 39 minutes yes. and um and that's going to make uh, my team very happy because they don't want to hear me talk. They want to hear you talk. Well, so we have I have some questions. no idea what you talked about. We have
1: some questions. And I think that the first question that we want to know is that, uh, can you tell us, is, is Tara uh, medically evacuated from the game or is she still competing with uh, the with the dirty hands? So that's why you're going to watch next week.
3: Okay.
0: Uh, ha, ha. <laughs>
3: See, that's how we, we, you don't know. Um, he threw
0: out a line with, he was baiting us <laughs> and we took it, hook, line and sinker.
3: Told <laughs> you right in there. So, um, Fish in. yeah, just like that. So uh, look, everybody who signs up for tough as nails comes in, you know, uh, Tara found, uh, the application on Facebook, I think it was, mm-hmm. through a chat site, in Mariners chat site. She came in, she was injury-free, and everybody who comes on the show has to be medically tested. And uh, as you've heard, I mean, pretty much everybody who's on the show has had some form of injury or is working through an injury like Swifty is. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not just up to the contestant whether they're wanting to keep on going or whether they feel like they're fit enough to keep on going. We also have to test them and make sure that they get medical clearance. And that's not up to us. That's up to a doctor or, um, uh, you know, we we have a a team doctor. And ultimately, they're the one that that has to say whether they can carry on or not. So that's what you'll be finding out next week. And so it's, you know, it's interesting because the show is about, as I said at the end, uh, nobody goes home, but then the, th- you know, this is an early, uh, early days in the franchise. There are, I guess, mm-hmm. reasons why somebody could go home and, um, not necessarily cause they were eliminated from the individual, but it yeah. could be an injury. So.
2: Yeah. But given the type of people that you have on the show, I have to imagine the only way someone's going out of the, of this game is on a stretcher.
3: Yeah. I mean, I, I feel bad. You know, it's just it was such a gut wrenching moment. Um, and just reading people's comments online, you know, we brought people to tears just yeah. because of angels pleading, you know, for for Tara to come back, and then Tara's just seeing her distress is horrible. And and then Swifty, I mean, I I don't know how many shows there are where you see someone basically just say. Hold on a second. If you can't compete, I'm not competing. Like you want to take five? I'll take five. Like that moment, I had so many people talk to me about the character of Swifty in that moment. Mm -hmm. If you don't fall in love with Swifty in that moment, then you're never going to love Toughest Nails. Because that to me was a part of the heartfelt aspect of Toughest Nails that does what we're trying to do is, we're trying to not that we want moments like that, but it does. It is part of the ethos of the show that these people. That's not fake. That is a real, genuine concern for their fellow teammates and for others on the on the show. And so, for me, it's just heartwarming to know that we picked somebody like Swifty to be on the show.
2: It does kind of rhyme with um, watching at the end of the first challenge, Mikey. Reaching across the aisle and telling Angel, you did an amazing job on this challenge, kind of knowing in his head that that Angel was taking responsibility for the lack of winning in the previous challenge. Yes. And to have that in his head and to make sure that he called him out for that, people are like, I think every episode has a moment like that where somebody on one team is congratulating the other team or making sure the other team is okay with how they've done. and. I think that is a really wonderful It's it's a it's so antithetical to all of the other reality TV out there. Yeah, and I mean
3: there's lots of stuff that we could lean into when we're cutting the show that we deliberately cut out because we don't want to lean into the negative. It's not that we're not gonna show conflict and that we're not gonna show uh you know, heated moments. You're going to see that this season. There's some stuff that happens in future episodes where it gets heated, but we don't want to try to manufacture or try to make more of it than it is. There's always an interpretation. It's a subjective thing about how you deal with moments, but we're trying to say, listen, there's lots of shows that do lean into that stuff and kind of maybe try to make more of something than it is. And we are constantly pushing each other to not go there. Like let's, like you said, Jesse, you know, the, let's go to the. Let's emphasize the positive stuff. I saw something where a mother said, I'm sitting down, I'm watching the show with my son. And my son just pointed out what Swifty just did. Mm-hmm. And that's powerful because, just the idea as a storyteller to know that she can sit there with her son and that there's something to be learned from that moment that's positive and still like engrossing. Like how could you not want to come back and see what happens next
0: week? (laughs) Yeah. So speaking of those competitive aspects, Phil, we had a question about the whole Mikey eyebrows accidentally pushes freight train in the water because I don't think it's ever been confirmed in Tough as Nails, when you have these two teams often working together on the same test, if you're allowed to touch or get yourself involved with things from the other team, was this sort of that weird gray area because they were sharing the dock of Mikey Abrams just happens to to get those traps out of the way. And as a result, freight train goes in, even though obviously none of that was intentional.
3: Yeah, I mean, we do review like with that moment, we definitely reviewed it. We had it. we had it covered from many many angles, and we did review it because we wanted to be convinced that it was unintentional. Um, if it had been intentional, we would have had to deal with it. Exactly mm-hmm. how we would have administered a penalty, I'm not sure. Um, that would have been you know something that we'd discuss. We've never had a situation like that before, and then I think you know we were all convinced. And in the end, we all talked about it. And we also talked about it with freight train and everything. It was unintentional. In the heat of the moment, he pushed those carts. The carts were as high as he was. He didn't see where freight train was. Um, I'm pleased that nothing happened to freight train because he could have fallen and hit his head or, Mm -hmm. you know, um, but he didn't. And so uh, we moved on. And so there was no um, there was no sort of resentment lingering resentment left or anything like that it it was yeah it was what it was and these things are going to happen and look as as i said at the end of the show the show is called tough as nails not you know fluffy fluffy soft pillows we're not making fluffy soft pillows (laughs) although i said that yesterday in a um a podcast i was doing with meryl and everybody was like wow Fluffy Soft Pillows sounds like a really good reality show. Could you make that, please? Mm-hmm. Well, I think what
0: you could do is put Tough as Nails Insignia on Fluffy Soft Pillows in the CBS show mm-hmm. and really just make the most of it.
3: Yeah. I mean, maybe Bed of Nails would be more Ooh. sellable. You know, Bed of Ooh. Nails tonight on Bed of Nails. But uh, <laughs> yeah. No. Anyway, I mean, look, the show, I'm going to tell you, it's. I, I, I've been corresponding with some of the season one uh, contestants and. They've all said, man, this was this some tough stuff, that building of the garage for three something hours mm-hmm. off the back of doing the other individual challenge and and in the heat and the sun. And every. I mean, it's we we have to make sure that the show lives up to its name um, and we're trying to do it in the safest possible way. And um, every single person who is there, you know, I, I, I've said many, many times we want to we want to run a fair safe competition, but Mm -hmm. that's not to say that old injuries aren't going to flare up or that everybody is, you know, injury free. It's, It's not, it's not life.
1: So I thought it was such an emotional moment at the end of the episode, though, when Tara walks off because she was, you know, feeling so much that she didn't want to be the first person who was eliminated from the show. She has the injury on her hand. And then that's really it was like a very you need a lot of dexterity to get the ropes untied. And I think that also she felt like, hey, we are in my wheelhouse that this is like we're here on the dock yes. and I can't believe that the people that I work with yes. are going to see me go out on this. And it's just like, I've never seen that before where somebody basically like, just like walks off the set of like, ah, like I I need time alone. I don't want to, I don't want yeah. to be here. It was, it, it, I thought it was very emotional.
3: It was, um, it was. And, and you can, I think you could see on our faces that our heart went out to her in mm-hmm. that moment and incredibly hard. Look, Tara works in, uh, Tara's a trailblazer. She works in a industry where it's not, women are not encouraged to be in the, business that she's in she's she's breaking new ground for young women that are going to come into her area of work and she's going to have blazed a trail for them um like it's hard work like every generation is obviously opening up doors for the next generation whether it's because of race or sex or age or whatever those barriers are she has been breaking down barriers so yes absolutely like that was her challenge to win. Mm-hmm. It was like, uh, and by the way, Rob line instead of rope. Yeah. <laughs> you will notice that I deliberately left my mistake yeah. in the cut. And I wanted to do that to, to also show that this is her world. Yeah. And, and someone said um, to me uh, online, Oh, Phil, you got it wrong. Yeah, I got it wrong. And I'm fine to admit it. And being, the showrunner could have cut it out, but mm-hmm. I left it in deliberately to to show that I don't know everything about uh, that line of work, and we're trying to educate people. By the way, I did uh, I did find out later that a rope sitting on a boat doing nothing, just coiled up, is that's a rope. When oh. the when the hmm. rope is assigned a task, as in tied to an anchor, then it is a anchor line mm-hmm. or line anchor. A anchor line, and then if it if it's you know tied to a buoy or if it's put to use as soon as the rope is given an assignment, it is then a line. So in that Uh. situation, we tied the rope to the Mm -hmm. buoys, and it had an assignment. So then it became line.
0: So So if it's so if it's unemployed, it's a rope, is what you're saying. (laughs) Exactly,
2: unemployed
1: rope, but employed line. Mm -hmm.
2: So you want to take the line and make it into a rope?
1: Yes. Yes. Get it off the unemployment rope. Yes. And put it
3: in line. <laughs> yes. Or get out of the line, the unemployment line, mm-hmm. and stop being a rope.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: Get a
3: line.
1: Perfect.
2: See, now we're just muddying the waters. Mm-hmm. This we, is the new 1st you know, We're first. sliming the waters. I think
3: we just threw an anchor line over the boat and
1: we sunk that moment. Anyway, moving on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I leave all my mistakes in the podcast too, Phil.
2: Yeah. No. <laughs>
3: I'm, I'm sure you do, Rob. Yes. I'm sure you don't go back and fix up mistakes.
2: Phil, <laughs> Phil it, well, The only reason Rob leaves the mistakes in is because when somebody corrects the podcast, they, they correct me no matter who said the thing.
3: Oh, th- got it. And by the way, who knew? Uh, apparently the three of you were showing incredible restraint with me and out of respect <laughs> to me, uh, did not say, Phil, yes, we know all the tribes of Survivor. Now, I had no idea... That I would, by soliciting that question, that I would that I would be getting myself in such hot water with Survivor fans. Um, And then to the point where I was sent a link of some young man who had the ability to rattle off every single tribe name blindfolded, Mm -hmm. which I have to say I was incredibly impressed with. I think it took two and a half minutes Mm -hmm. and all I could think was, man, try try putting all of those names onto a T-shirt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, meet meet our <laughs> listeners, Phil. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, listen, I, I I'm super impressed. I and I, and and you can leave this mistake in, Rob. Uh, <laughs> I stand corrected. Uh, every I don't think any of us could.
1: I think we could name a bunch right. of them, but I don't think we could name. I think all. Yeah,
3: yeah, I, I can well. I, I, I think
0: collaboratively them all. we'd be able to do so, but no, we, we do not have nearly the integrity mm-hmm. nor the toughness. Of the first. see, toughness <laughs> reaches across many yeah. different boundaries, right? <laughs> yeah. Each have our lines. And,
1: and I stand by what we were saying—that you were making a good point. You just like uh, did did not uh, know just like what nerds we all were.
3: Yeah, but but but, and I admire that, and I think it's great. I mean, I'm a nerd about certain mm-hmm. things. I'm a nerd about cycling and cycling history and that sort mm-hmm. of thing. But I I think um, to uh, to acknowledge my mistake, I um, and I'm glad you left it in there. I. I will not use that as a point of reference with regards to why we chose to continue the mm-hmm. legacies of Dirty Hands and Savage Crew. I'm going to stay away from that. Uh, and to all your Survivor fans who are listening, uh, I'm sorry.
2: Oh, I'm so sorry. oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, do it again, do it again.
3: <laughs> I'm sorry.
2: Like the I'm
0: world
3: the of Survivor.
0: I was going to say, i Accepted, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Phil, yeah, we got, wait, Phil, we got. Phil, we got to talk about the slime eels. Yeah. What? Yes. What brought on the specific choice for that type of task with that particular type of sea creature? Yeah, who's
1: coming up with the idea? Like, I got it. Slime eel. Well, um,
3: it came from some feedback that we got from viewers, which was, you know, people who are fans of, 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 of dirty jobs. Yes. They, they, you know, they like dirty jobs. Um, and that people and And that we we are saying on top of nails, and one of the team names is dirty hands. People get their hands dirty every day doing jobs that keep the country running. And they felt like we should lean into something that was a little icky and um, you know, maybe instead of a porta potty cleaning out porta potties, we decided to go with something icky and sticky and and messy, like a a slime meal. And um you know, i, I one of my favorite moments was to see, uh, To see Sally use her life skills to like, listen, you think this is gross? You should see what I have to deal with in the hospital. And then to apply her life skills by getting inside the bin Mm -hmm. and and talking about body mechanics. And I thought that is really cool. We have this show where we have a nurse who's not scared to touch or work with anything. And she knows body mechanics and she can apply both to working with slime meals and did really well. Mm So, yeah. That was it. Nothing more (laughs) complicated than that.
0: Can can you talk about the actual... How much... You know, you tried to tell a lot. You and the contestants tried to tell a lot between all the comparisons to touching a wet bar of soap, something between boogers and jelly. I love that one, by the way. I thought that was really cool. (laughs) But talk about the actual handling of the slime meals and the way the contestants did it as well, because we just saw so much calamity happen on that dock between just all the slime that was going everywhere.
3: Yeah, I mean some that that job was sometimes we have jobs that are we're asking them to do a job in a more difficult way than than maybe people would have to do in real life and a lot of that has to do with seeing how they can adapt to something that is sometimes more difficult than it needs to be like there's a challenge coming up in in show 8 in episode 8 one of the uh team challenges where we deliberately get them to do it a more difficult way because every day we're all faced with that where maybe you don't have the right tools that you need to get the job done. Like You could get the job done more efficiently if you had the right tools, but you don't. You're stuck out somewhere. The truck with all the tools got stuck in the snow and now you can't get what you needed to get it done. How do you adapt and how do you get the job done anyway? So that was sort of part of what we were doing there with the slime meals was right out of the gate to throw something at them. That was hard to handle. So to speak. So how
2: long did it take you to get one of those eels out of there? Because it did show oh, you struggling.
3: I listen. I, I, and, and did I really get it out? I mean, mm-hmm. I, I got it in the hand for like a second and then it slipped out, but you know, to actually pick one up and hold it is extremely difficult. Um, the idea is you don't actually grab them that you shovel them in, which is why Scott was doing so well because his got these massive hands and he could he could just basically use them like buckets Mm -hmm. and push them into the bag
0: how long did this take because i know obviously last time took three and three and a half hours you said they were an hour in last time or in this past do you know how long this one ended up taking sort of what you were speaking about before with the season one contestants about how much you just ramped up these challenges
3: yeah it was long yeah it was long and and i think i mentioned to you one of the reasons you know, one of the challenges that we had was we had less testing time uh, because we had less access to some locations. And that particular location, I think, was the seventh location that we uh, had looked at because of parking, mm-hmm. because of COVID protocols. Um, by the way, interesting, somebody contacted me and said, uh, I-, I can't believe you shot during covid um, why would you guys spread COVID during mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and uh and I wrote back a very polite um response and said, Thank you for your concern. I appreciate your concern about our health and well-being. Um, however, we're very proud of the fact that we uh were able to have people continue with their livelihoods. We we went to great lengths to keep everybody safe, and I'm proud to report that we got through the entire season with hundreds of people working without an incident of COVID. But again, thank you for your concern. Um, Anyway, yes. uh, Shooting during COVID and, and trying to get tests in and trying to, because you do test to sort of get a sense of how long you're going to, you know, how long Things are going to take. It took longer than we probably would have wanted it to to take, but, uh, and you could see how much we pushed the day in overtime, we were running out of light. Yeah. It was yeah. getting, it was getting late. <laughs> it was getting very late.
2: Yeah. Well, I, I wanted to ask you about that. Like how long, how long was the action paused before Swifty decided to finish the challenge?
3: Uh, it, it, it was, it was all. I mean, yeah. it, there's a little, obviously there's a little bit of compression with editing and so on, but it, it, yeah. it wasn't long. I mean, Tara went away. She needed a moment. She took a moment, but also we wanted to make sure that we got, her medical Mm assistance. So you could see uh, Anthony, who is our medic was right there um, to, to make sure that she was okay. And then she came back with her hand Mm -hmm. uh, bandaged up. Um, So I don't know, uh, probably 10 minutes, like Tara was probably gone for 10 minutes. She just took, took some time, got her hand attended to came back. um, And then uh, within that time, Swifty was convinced that he should finish the job and you heard what he said. He said, you know, it's not how I wanted to do it, but I'm here for my family and I got to finish it off. And then you heard angel talking about how many people wish they could be in his situation. Mm -hmm. And so it was pretty, it was pretty powerful. Um, And now you're going to have to see a, whether Tara wants to come back because she feels like her hand is uh, okay to carry on or B, whether we say we think she can carry on because of us looking at her and assessing whether she's medically cleared.
2: We have speculated a lot about what's going to happen if that that comes to pass. Like, what happens when one of the teams is a man down?
3: I will tell you this. There are a number of interesting surprises this season um, Mm. uh, over the whole season. Um, But the great news is that the format... Um, which is new and still being tested uh, holds up and um, whatever gets thrown at us this season because of the strength of the format and because of the individual and the team competition those elements those format elements allow us to to uh, to deal to deal with, uh, with with some new challenges that we did not necessarily have in season one Phil, did you consider having Captain Mark join uh, one of the teams? (laughs) You know, one of the things that's very frustrating and I mean, maybe it didn't, uh, it wasn't evident, but Captain Mark had to be 20 feet or might've even been 25 feet away from us. Mm. So right up until the shot of Captain Mark, he's wearing a mask. We're all wearing masks. Like Mm. anytime that we are, Not rolling cameras. We're wearing masks, and uh, everybody behind the scenes has to wear a mask. It's not even a question. So the only people that ever take a mask off are people who are on camera. Myself, the contestants, and then any special guests. But Captain Mark, if you look at where the shot was, he's actually. We had to like push him off the (laughs) dock. Get that cutaway of him. And then immediately when we're done was like all right Mark put your mask back on please cuz he's not officially in our bubble so mm-hmm. there's actually a wide shot where if you look very carefully you'll see a wide shot that was taken at one point where I had a mask on uh because we were in between shooting and then we did there was an establish shot and you can actually so we were all like putting masks on taking them off putting them on mm-hmm. taking them off I mean it, it I'm not going to lie I mean shooting during covid is no joke it Mm. is it's like a whole other layer of stress for everybody everybody it's oh you know (laughs) red zone and green zone toilets and don't cross here and then shooting on that wolf Mm -hmm. Mm. forget about (laughs) it like the green zone art department had to go out set up the the challenge then green zone comes off then we send people to spray it down then we wait 10 minutes then red zone can go out. Mm-hmm. Green zone can go back now. Oh no, hold on a second. We had something that needed to be changed. Red zone out, spray it down, wait 10 minutes, green zone back in, fix the mistake, green zone out, spray it down, red zone back in. I mean, mm-hmm. the 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 it's not easy. And it's like I said to you, more than two dozen locations on top of nails, it's not like we're in. One hotel like Love Island, or in mm-hmm. one house like Big Brother, where the protocols are set in place, and you go back, you rinse, you repeat. This is on a dock, on a, on a on a wolf, at a farm, in a factory, up on a building. Every day, you know. And so, I like I said, I I send out a tweet. I think it was yesterday to thank everybody. I am just so incredibly proud of everybody who managed to get us through this. With all those pieces flying in from all different places. we actually got this show done. <laughs> it's mm. like, it's yeah, a miracle. amazing.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm surprised uh, Captain Mark lent you his boat then <laughs> for that team challenge, considering uh, maybe the the health and safety standards.
3: Well, he he had his boat has probably never been as
1: sterilized as mm-hmm.
3: it was because we sprayed <laughs> that thing down.
1: <laughs> uh, Phil, we also got to see the Tough as Nails season two intro uh, last night.
3: Yes. Yes. What did you, did you
0: think? Were you all right with it? Yeah. No nicknames. I was surprised by that. Everyone went by their legal name in the, in the intro.
3: Yes. Um, I think in hindsight, you know, one of the concerns was, I think I mentioned to you, was being too familiar too quickly. Um, like out of the gate, me just calling them by their nickname before I really get to know them. I think in hindsight, we just go, you know what? We've known these people for a while in the auditions. Let's just, like start with the nicknames out of the gate. I I think that mm-hmm. would be what I would push for. You live and you learn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you live and you learn.
1: Yeah. But so, the effects you- on the uh, on the intro were uh you know very very impressive. Everybody yeah. like in their like uh, natural habitat and then we go to the next person uh, right after that. That was uh, very slick. Like a Yeah, there's else. a
3: company um there's a company that that did the Django poster. Um, a, a guy that does a lot of graphics that I, that uh, my wife and producing partner have been working with for a long, long time. He did the LaRide posters and he's done a lot of stuff. And um, yeah. And no, normally they would be on the shoot, but we had to have them on a zoom call watching the green screen shoot. And we were all talking about, you know, where stuff was going to be. And I thought they, everybody did a really, really good job at acting out being in their environment, even though they weren't in their environment. So um, I'm, I, you know, I, I think uh, that were better. It was better than last season, just because we kind of knew where we were going and what we had to do, and so I I, I liked it because uh, you really got to see everybody's environment. It's hard to put in the titles to be honest with you, because one of the notes that we get from from uh, is to get into the action sooner, mm-hmm. so that at forty five seconds, forty seconds. Takes, you know, means it takes longer to get into the show. So we'll be using them, but not necessarily all the time.
0: When you get that green screen footage of them, is that in the same day you do all the press photos, which I'm assuming happens before the season starts proper?
3: Exactly. Yeah. So we have a big warehouse and we just rotate everybody through different stations. So you're on green screen, you're doing your master interview, you're in press, you're in photo, you're in EPK, you're uh, you know, doing a news story with local CBS, and then we just rotate everybody, and um, production comes up with a great schedule to mm-hmm. just be as efficient as we possibly as we possibly can. But yeah, we we have a great location, um, and and the still photos, as you saw in the calendar, you know, we got we have a whole setup for that as well.
0: so can you talk about going back to the overtime challenge? Even outside of of Tara walking away. There was so much calamity going on between it was a tight race and yeah. then Swifty gets his last buoy. But then he starts cramping up right. and it seems like mm-hmm. he is just wailing in agony. And then There's a point where Tara walks over and starts moving Swifty's rope, not even like in a message to be like, I'm done, but more so to say, I'm going to help you with this. Right. Then he refuses. Then she walks. And as you say, then Swifty offers to take the five minute break. What was going through your head and what was sort of the, the mood in the room? while well, all of this was happening.
3: I, we were in shock. I mean, I think you see in my face, I'm just like, what, what you know, we're all of us, we're just like, What is what is going on right now? Um, yeah, it was like one thing after another. One thing just kept hitting. I mean, it was it was you could see it in Sally's face. You could you could see Meryl had her hand hands her head in her hands, and um yeah, we were all in shock. we were all in shock. We we're all um and, and then these, these moments that just kept happening, uh, th- there was a lot of emotion and I think it's only now that we're past it that we can kind of reflect and sort of think about what was going on. But in the moment we were just, there was heartbreak, there was compassion, there were, yeah, I mean, it was, uh, yeah, you're, you, 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 you never want to see somebody, somebody in pain, um, It's no, you know, it's no different than um, when you're watching a a football game Mm -hmm. and someone has an injury in the hall or if you've been in the stadium before where there's a sort of hushed tone because you realize that what's just happened could be a career ending injury. um, It's that kind of feeling of, you know, what's going on? Are they okay? Are they going to be okay? And so there's sort of that feeling. Cause it happens like that. Right. I mean, like yeah. it just like that, that whole moment with Tara going over to help Swifty, I think in that moment says a lot about her. And and I think the audience noticed it. it was, she was sort of like, I can't, he's ahead of me. He's going to beat me. I can't get my job done. I'm going to help him just finish it up and we'll get this over and done with. I think that's where her head was. I, I I can't speak for her, but I think that's what was going through her head. And then just again, to your point about, the circumstances and how they stacked up. I mean, I think she went into that thinking, yes, I'm injured, but this is in my wheelhouse. I got this. And then somehow Swifty manages to stay even with her. Uh, admittedly she's in pain, but then he, I mean, mm-hmm. who saw that he was going to be in, imp- I mean, it was right.
2: a lot. It was a lot. <laughs> so I got a tiny logistical question for you. Mm. Um, I noticed that Swifty is wearing gloves in this challenge and Tara is not. Is this uh, an option that they're given yeah. and gloves are supplied or and they can choose whether or not to do them?
3: Yeah, um, it is. Uh, I think Tara, just from in her line of work, is used to working without gloves doing her job. And mm-hmm. so she probably took the same approach that she would at work where she doesn't wear gloves. They're always provided as an option. They can always wear protection. We only mandate, like someone said, how come they're not wearing protection? If they're not wearing protection, it's because it's not a mandate, it's not something that we can mandate. Mm-hmm. But if we ever feel like uh if we ever feel like uh their safety is at risk, then yes, we we make sure that they wear it. Like if there's, you know, the sound goes over a certain level, then yes, you have to wear ear protection or uh if there's really sharp objects we ask them to wear the gloves but um yeah i mean some people are good without wearing gloves and some people are but if it was something that was going to potentially injure them in the gloves the only way of protecting them then yeah of course we would make them wear like they were given an option to wear gloves with the slime meal too you Mm -hmm. you know that would be there But they want, you know, many of them. I'm trying to think of anybody wearing gloves. I think everybody went without.
2: I think. Mm -hmm. And they wanted to get close to the
3: slime.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Get a real feel for it. Bill, uh, we saw Freight Train uh, say that it was very important to him to stay out of the overtime. That was his strategy. And sort of, it makes sense when you think about it, where, you know, we saw how much uh, that for Swifty and Tara, how much it took out of them to just be a part of the overtime. And I hadn't really thought about that, like where young last season ended up in so many overtimes. And I wonder if, you know, being in overtime, like even if you survive it, it does come at a cost.
3: Yep. Um, Every time you're asked to do one, I mean, it is overtime. Mm -hmm. You're doing extra work, right? And so uh, there's a cumulative effect. If you know anything like about the Tour de France, it's a three week race. You have to decide when you're going to burn your matches, like because you've only got so many matches to burn in that race over a three-week period. It's the same with Tough as Nails. It takes place uh, over a month. You've got to decide when you're going to really put in a concerted effort. And every time you are forced to go into overtime, you are burning up matches. You are are using up ADP. You're using up energy Mm -hmm. that you have in your muscles that you should really be trying to store and hold on to for when you really need it. Uh, If you're pushed, you know, down into the final four or the final three, you know, it's it's a there's a cumulative uh, effect of doing more work than somebody else. So, yeah, absolutely. Very smart thinking.
0: Yeah. And I wonder we talked about this last season as well, but I do wonder if this will continue to come into play then of as more people get eliminated and are putting their all into the team challenges Are the people who are left in the game, maybe to your point, conserving more of their energy during the team challenges because they know, okay individuals, you know, $2,000 would be nice, but individuals going to keep me in the hunt for $200,000. So maybe I'm going to save my juice for another day.
3: Yeah, I mean, I would have thought that there would be more of that, to be honest with you, Mike. But if you look Mm -hmm. at what happened last season in episode nine, where. Murph and Danny, I don't think there was any question about whether they gave it absolutely everything that they had. I think, you know, they bled for their team literally, and they gave it, they 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 gave everything they had, <clears throat> excuse me, they left it all out there. So, you know, is there going to be in the future somebody who comes on who in a bite says to us, listen, um, you know, I'm all about helping my team out. But, you know, today I'm thinking about that individual win and I'm going to just back it off a wee bit and I'm going to do what I can, but, you know, we haven't had that yet. Um, but it's not to say it won't happen in the future, but I have not seen that in season one or I, we, you know, I don't believe it ever happens in season two uh, either. I think everybody, when they're there for their team, you can see the bond. I mean, look how closely bonded they are. It's uh It's pretty evident.
1: Phil, what can you tell us about next week? We know that we'll have to see, tune in to see what's going on with Tara. Can you tell us anything about the task?
3: Uh, Yes. So, um, yeah, so big, big reveal uh, next week. And and, um, as I said to you in the season overall, expect some surprises, Mm. uh, Mm. you know, going right up to the end. Um, actually, there's some things that happen in season two that don't happen in that didn't happen in season one. Um, and as I said to you, I'm, uh, I think the strength of the format, um, allows the show to, to be resilient to anything that gets thrown, like any odd curveball that gets thrown. Like last night was a curveball, right? I mean, and, uh, the show held and, uh, it's held together because of our amazing cast. Okay. So as far as a, as far as the team challenges go, uh, I I alluded to the fact that there's some heavy equipment in there uh, or heavy lifting. Um, Not necessarily that they will have to do the heavy lifting, but they have some machines Mm -hmm. that can do some heavy lifting. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's quite, quite different um, in terms of the skill sets that they have to draw on next week. It's less of the, uh, It's less physical and more of a mental skill dexterity type show um, where you will see people really shine because of the skills that they have in their everyday lives. And um, you're also going to just see how people cope with uh, coordination, agility, that type of thing. So some strong people who are maybe not necessarily that great at agility. And again, Mm -hmm. this goes back to why we've tried to balance the show with strength, endurance, agility, life skills, and mental toughness, um, and why we can have a COVID nurse competing with someone who is a construction superintendent. Um, so yeah, we just change it up. And um, and then that happens again in show four where we change it up again. And um, show five is, a, is awesome. It's very different um, from everything in the whole season. It comes right at the, a great wow. time in the, in the in the season because it's in the middle so and then I've just been speaking to the producers about show 10 they're really excited about the about the finale so we it ends uh the season ends really strong it's i think you know we've started off strong and i think the good news is we know we've got great stuff and when the producers are excited and you haven't seen cuts internally and they're excited about sharing stuff cuz we see the internal cuts we go over them before they go to the network when we hear that they're excited, then that's, you know, good. So speaking of the team, I know that they're going to be like, Phil, shut up. Let them talk. Uh, yes, there you go. Somebody upstairs. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Time to leave? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Apparently the waiter. Oh, look, the waiter. Hi. Yes. Dessert. Mm-hmm. These people would like dessert. Thank you. Yeah. I've got to go. But <laughs> um, Yeah. Just put it on my check. Yeah, oh, that's great. Phil, yeah. Oh, oh wow! Thank, Thank you, I'll, you Phil. Phil. I'll pick up, the, up dinner. Uh, I'll pick up the tab. Um, please don't order any expensive dessert wines. That's the only thing I ask you to do. <laughs> you got it.
0: Oh, uh, I was going to order I, a nice I, glass of slime. Mm-hmm.
3: I can't. Yeah, glass of slime is fine. Mm-hmm. Hey, a glass of slime at nine is fine. I don't know where I'm going with that. Anyway, <laughs> I'll pick up
1: the check. Thank you, Phil. Uh,
3: you, you guys carry on and say really interesting stuff. So my team can go, yeah, it was so much better when you left. Hey, Phil. Cause they wait until they really you hear the up.
1: first 39 minutes, Phil. Uh, the first 39 is good. I think so. Oh yeah. Probably better than from 39 no. to
3: where are we now? Never, okay. No, Never.
2: just different. Just, just different. Just yeah. different. Okay.
3: Right. Um, and don't think I haven't noticed, uh, Jess, that your glasses met your microphone. That's beautiful. Thank you.
2: Yeah. I, I did that on purpose. All right. Uh, I'm going to leave now. <laughs> yes. Okay.
3: So, <laughs> I'm going to color the show. Show three.
1: Goodbye. <laughs> Bye, <laughs> there Bill, he is, The host uh, and executive producer of Tough as Nails. Wow. Amazing. Yeah. What a wild
0: All ride. All right. So i going start working on the glass of slime time at nine shirt going or put it on a fancy pillow. Fluffy soft Coming pillow. Coming soon
1: to the RHAP yeah, store. Fluffy soft pillows a glass of slime at nine is fine all right now
2: i i'm I'm doing this now i'm 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 getting out the procreate i'm gonna do this uh
1: you want some questions from the facebook group robb's podcast uh patron facebook group uh shout out to john john who starts the thread going uh for us every week and we get some uh interesting questions uh Nick Fishman wants to know, how did it take 20 years of reality TV before slime eels ever made its way onto our screen? You could see slime be created out of nowhere. Yeah. How was this never in the Big Brother backyard? How did we mm. uh, n- never see this across any of our reality TV shows?
0: I do feel like had Big Brother maybe done some more stuff a la Big Brother Canada and like brought more creatures in, I could very easily see a thing of okay, uh, what's what's Otev's going to be like, I'm Harriet the Hagfish, and you have to come up to my slime-filled <laughs> ramp and get me the right colored bag with a houseguest name on it. <laughs> well, this could
2: be an animal cruelty thing, honestly. Like, these slime eels are going to a better place. They have their purpose. Mm-hmm. They're going to sit in a tank and produce slime in the lap of luxury, obviously. They're going to go to the farm. Um, but Maybe you can't just
0: buy a crate of slime eels to entertain Mm.
1: people on Big Brother. Maybe they're stuck at the Port Authority. Yeah. Right.
0: But I I do wonder, maybe, could we replace the tried and true slip and slide challenge with just transporting slime Mm -hmm. eels? Because that's essentially what this turned into, Rob, right? Where they were just slipping and sliding Mm -hmm. all over the place. It created its own lubricant. Harriet
1: the Hagfish, I brought you a cup of slime at nine. It's fine.
0: (laughs) That is correct.
1: (laughs) Okay. uh, Mike Christensen, uh, one of our uh, resident animal experts, he said, I'm sure Rob is out on them, but the hagfish are super interesting from an evolutionary perspective. They're the only animals with a developed skull but no backbone and are basically what we looked like 500 million years ago.
0: Ah, Developed skull and no backbone. I haven't been described that way in Mm -hmm. years. I was gonna say
2: that sounds like Mike.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it's. I'm I'm glad. So, in many regards, to so to link back the first question to the second one, that this was explored much like Tough as Nails brings a lot of industries to light, or or maybe back into the the forethought that we might not think of on a daily basis. Here's a creature that some of us might not have thought of. I, I know. Hagfish did make their way into the zeitgeist a few years ago. I remember there was a picture that circulated online of like someone transporting hagfish hmm. and they got in a car accident and then like their car essentially like exploded in slime. <laughs> and so wow. it was oh, I'm going to I'm
2: going mean, to be on. I'm going to be Googling this yeah. immediately. Yeah, it, it, wow. I mean, it Fire looks like YouTube. something out
0: of Ghostbusters where, you know, uh, a ghost made it. They, The Ghostbusters slimed the this car mm-hmm. and just a bunch of slime burst out from it while all these hagfish that just ended up spilling all over the highway
1: oh this is amazing mm-hmm. yeah you didn't oversell this yeah. Mike Mike so are you saying that we could replace airbag technology if you have enough hagfish in your car that if you get in some sort of a collision they will like uh get that four cups of slime uh per second going and protect you
0: <laughs> i mean you gotta put a lot in yeah. there though to create the effect Isn't that how, how, demolition
1: how man it- Jess
0: uh, that sounds yeah. right. Oh, they, they went to the bathroom and those were those two hacks <laughs> that they had <laughs> to use instead different. of toilet paper. Yeah. Where, where are, we? Totally are we? That was totally different.
1: Yes. Um, Justin, do you have anything else about uh, Tough as Nails episode two?
2: I think we've covered most of it. I, I want to call out, I was wondering, and I, I figured we Phil can't tell us if this is true or not, but I wonder if we're going to get another Danny Murph rivalry where it seems like the two of them mm. are the Yes, runners, and who do you see and I wonder if. I wonder if it's a Liz and Scott situation where they're always at the front of the
1: pack. That's what Ben is suggesting, too, in in, in the questions. Mike, are you seeing uh, a showdown between Scott and Liz?
0: I'm definitely seeing the Knuckles side of it because both individual challenges we've had so far, Knuckles has finished in the top two. I'm assuming this is going to be a storyline recurring of always the bridesmaid, never the bride. But I feel like it could either be Scott or maybe Mikey if he doesn't, you know crack in half by the end of all this because mikey you know he finished he finished in the middle of the pack but i I do think that knuckles has shown consistency across both individual challenges that i do think she is she is a front runner at this point
2: yeah i don't think mikey shows the same consistency i think he's going to be very good at the things he's Mm -hmm. good at and then maybe less good at the things he's not by the way
1: i am a big knucklehead that is my uh (laughs) number one favorite on the show yeah, me too. She's really good. All I think she, that, uh, yeah. Ma- yeah, she's Mike and great. I were talking about this after you uh, ended up uh, uh, leaving towards the end of the show uh, last week, Joss. But yeah, I feel like that she's she really pops on the uh, show. I think that she's uh, really good on this TV show.
0: Yeah, I'm sad that she was she was rather purple this week. That I think there was just so much other stuff going on. She was not hurt, nor was she in any danger. That we didn't get. Much, I don't think we actually heard from her outside of when she ended up coming in second speaking of scott though i guess shout out to his uh his w- photographer for his third wedding i don't know if you guys caught mm-hmm. that snapshot but it looks super trendy
1: <laughs> yeah yeah with,
0: yeah
2: that was insta worthy
1: so uh, yeah good good for scott all right mike anything else that you want to add about episode two
0: so i did look up swifty's foot condition Ooh. I would recommend people don't or hopefully people were not like, uh, I don't think this was the episode trip. for people to be eating breakfast during between like the slime Jason stuff Reed and was Swifty. was
1: tweeting us on Twitter. Yeah.
0: Yes. Yeah. Or 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 Swifty talking about his condition. Maybe I have too much of an overactive imagination. Yes. So what was it like? Pit, pitted keratosis is a condition where essentially bacteria causes like de- pitted depressions in your foot. Or maybe I took Swifty a bit too literally when he said he had a hole in his foot. Because I had this g- graphic image of like a hole you could see through, like peeking through Porky style <laughs> through Swifty's foot. That is not the case. It's and it more so just looks like uh, like grayscale almost <laughs> oh, on, no. on someone's foot. Ew, oh, that's no. gross
1: though. Okay,
0: so, yeah. So you're gonna have to bring in uh, Samwise Tarley to, mm-hmm. to uh, maybe call him some off of the Valyria.
1: So that... Yeah.
2: Well, thanks for taking that bullet mm-hmm. for us, Mike.
1: Yeah, I, I did feel like that. I don't know if Sally knew what that was, but uh, what what is the condition?
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, she's like, oh, oh yeah, yeah I've keratosis. Yeah, pitic- you probably yeah, know what yeah, that is. Like, oh yeah yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. I don't know. I don't
0: know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think she just said all the time as a nurse, though, right? If oh you're a nurse, you won't believe what mm-hmm. I'm going through. You know to that and obviously this, smile this and common condition.
1: Sure. All right. Uh, tough as nail season two. We're twenty percent of the way through a tough as nail season. Oh, sad. Yeah.
0: But I mean, if Phil's previews were of any indication, we've got a lot more craziness to go. I certainly did not expect episode two to end the way it did. So mm-hmm. essentially, if we are taking the last five minutes of episode two and distilling it across the next eight episodes, I think we're yeah. in for a very. Fun By the
1: way, time. I forgot to tell Phil, but I did feel extra tough that I watched the as nails episode this morning while on the treadmill. So I felt like that I was really, Ooh. I felt like very like I was part of it. Basically, I was like in the cast.
2: I mean, basically,
0: yeah, you're, mm-hmm. you're tough as nails. Now, were you running or were you freight train running on the on the <laughs> no. treadmill? What's <laughs> what not speed running was it? at all? <laughs> Walking on a slight
1: incline with no slime beneath me. That's it. It's like a crazy. That's
0: what you know. That's what that's what they should do. It's it's sort of like a instead of resistance bands, it's the opposite, right? It's providing less friction. Uh, just coat the treadmill in slime and enjoy mm-hmm. your walk. Yeah, how
1: am I supposed to take notes on my phone if I'm running, Mike? My, my, Okay.
0: All right. Well, uh, okay. this was a
1: lot of fun. I'll be back uh, next week. It sounds like that uh, might just be us uh, next week if Phil is busy working on the show. But uh, we'll have a lot of fun when we talk about what will happen with Tara and all the heavy machinery going on in episode three of Tough as Nails. All right, Jess, uh, what are you going to be uh, working on in between now and then?
2: Um, well, a podcast dropped today that I was on. That was very, very fun. Um, over on Post Show Recaps, our sister site. Um, Josh Wigler and I talked about Star Wars Episode Two: Attack of the Clones, and it was a surprisingly mm-hmm. fun time. Oh,
0: another episode Literally. two!
2: Yeah, another episode yes. two. Um, and then that we was are where my head went up, when um,
0: Phil
1: said that they worked with the artist who uh, did the poster for Django. I thought, oh, Django Fett!
2: Yeah, well, different sure. Django. Yeah, different Django entirely. Um, yeah, and then um, I believe next week. I've got plans with Rob to be talking about the 33rd best survivor mm-hmm. season. Yeah.
0: Ooh.
1: Yes. Very excited to talk about uh, heroes, healers, and hustlers. Probably a lot of the heroes would be on the uh, tough as nails uh, team, I, I think.
0: I don't know. We, we, we have a healer, though, in this season in Selly. So I think she's very I would say she's very much in the Dr. Mike vein, but I yeah, do Yeah, probably think some that's the hustlers, case.
1: too. Yeah. No. Yeah. I think that Lauren yeah, Rimmer would have, have been, be a she would be, she's a good uh, tough as nails person.
0: Yeah. For sure. And and you
2: know, horseshoe crab blood is kind of adjacent to eel slime. Mm-hmm. It all comes together.
1: Yeah. Okay. Looking forward to that on Wednesday night. Yeah. And Mike, what are you up to?
0: Uh so down the hatch, we are continuing our deep dive through season four, talking about Eggtown, not Slime Town, Eggtown over on the Bloom Files. Angela Bloom and mm-hmm. myself, we finished the X-Files season one already and moved on to season two. We did a double header podcast there. Survivor South Africa. Shannon, Gus, and I are getting into the merge of Survivor. Two part merge episode oh where a lo- a lot happens. Yeah, it's two hours of merge and only about fifteen minutes of recap in that episode. So there's a bunch of stuff to get into there. And other than that, you know, Rob, you and I might be gearing up for an out out play out list. Next, we've got some other stuff going on in the hopper as we begin to close out February and, and begin March in like a lion. Certainly, Yeah.
1: OK, uh, of course, uh, this past week that I talked about the 34th best season of Survivor, and that was a Survivor in Nicaragua. Had a lot of fun uh with AJ Norris and Jake Jones on uh Wednesday night to talk about all that. We're gonna wrap up Pirate Master uh coming up uh later on uh this week, but we have a great episode. Uh part three, Liana Boris joined uh Aaron Robertson and I. Uh what a what a trooper Liana Boris watched. Uh, 11 episodes of Pirate Master to do one podcast with us. Uh, and So that was a lot of fun. And then, of course, uh, we're going to have some more Twish Ultimate Trivia. don't know if uh, we'll ever uh, get Phil on the Survivor quiz show <laughs> of Twish Ultimate Trivia, but we'll be back uh, to play some more uh, Twish Trivia on Thursday night. So be on the lookout for that. And of course, you can subscribe to our Tough as Nails podcast feed at Rob has a dot com slash Tough as nails. And of course, uh, find out about everything else we have going on over at robhasawebsite.com slash patron. All right. Anything else?
0: No, I'm ready to do some heavy lifting next week, operate some bulldozers.
1: <laughs> All right
2: ready to take the line that is this podcast and turn it back. Into
1: a <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for listening. to care. We a good one. Bye. Support for this podcast comes from our friends over at Geico. Do you own or rent your home? Sure you do. And it's hard work, but you know, it's easy bundling with Geico. Geico makes it easy to bundle your home and car insurance is a good thing too, because you're busy enough. Go to geico.com, get a quote and see how much you could save. It's Geico easy. Visit geico.com today.